We're going to edit the living <laughs> Out of that. <laughs> that is a non-truthful answer. All right, let's move it along. Leave this one in, though, Jason. <laughs> Hi, buddy. Welcome to the Human Element Cares podcast about modern marketing. We have a very special guest today who's having quite a month. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Michael Epstein, who is the newly appointed global CEO of Kara. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate that. So let's dive in. I want to cover sort of a play in three acts, so to speak. I want to talk a little bit about Is it because the Tonys were yesterday? I'm a little inspired. Okay, Yeah, cool. yeah. Play in three acts. Bio, mm-hmm. sort of your background, a little bit on the new role from your perspective, mm-hmm. and then sort of the business in the future. Yeah. Let's start at the very beginning. How did you, how did all this start? I stumbled into this. I think we talked about this a little bit on the last one. I got my degree in philosophy from Rutgers University. I thought I was going to be a philosopher. I know that sounds funny. And a friend of mine suggested that for a year, because I was going to go back to grad school, she was an art buyer at Amirati Puris and Lintas. But she suggested I give it a try. Years ago, I saw a movie called Nothing in Common. I don't know if you remember it. Jackie mm-hmm. Gleason, Tom Hanks. Oh, I do Tom remember Tom Hanks that. played like an account guy at a, a creative agency. In Chicago, I believe it was, and I always thought, oh, well, that's kind of cool. You meet with some clients, you do some fun work, and I wound (laughs) up in media. I had no intent in doing this any more than a year. And the woman who hired me into this this business, who was a mentor of mine, A.D. McHugh, would tell people, he's either going to last a week or he's going to be really good at this, and I'll leave it to you to decide which one, which path I took. Well, I mean, you've obviously lasted longer (laughs) than a week. I must admit, my first day, I was like, really? This is kind (laughs) of crazy. As you look back, Mm -hmm. are there three or four sort of pivotal moments or decisions that you can kind of look back on and say, hey, you know, I'm glad I did this or, gee, I did that and I didn't think it worked out at the time, but it wound up yeah. working out. Or, Well, one was taking the job because my first day I was using spreadsheets and I didn't even know what a spreadsheet was. <laughs> so I was like, I, so I don't know one, this is going to work out. Career day one. Uh, one was actually going back to Nadine. Uh, she gave me advice. I was working. I started in this business at Ogilvy on Unilever mm. and the opportunity to go work on Burger King as a group director came up and I was going to just stay on Unilever and she said, no, you need to go work. You need to get some experience working on a different client, Mm. which sometimes can be a bit nerve-wracking for people, I think. But I took that role. So taking that career advice and I think doing some things that would make you a bit more uncomfortable, sometimes the uncomfortable, you learn more in the uncomfortable Mm. than you do the comfortable. That would be one. I defended later on, I came back to run the Unilever business and defended it which was a a seminal moment until I defended the Microsoft business, which was also a seminal moment. So there's been a couple of those. And then I would just say, I've learned, I've paid a lot of attention to mentors and I've paid a lot of attention to, I've I've been privileged to work with a lot of very smart clients. So I've learned a lot from them. As you look sort of over the arc of time, (laughs) what the agency and the media agency business looks like now is so drastically different than it was when you started what are the big themes of that or the or the big outlines of that change? Well, when I got into this business, digital didn't exist. Mm. So that's kind of a fundamental change. I remember the first sort of search thing that I did was a company called Lycos, you might remember. Sure. What's interesting to me is how important things like television still are. Like we've been trying to kill television off for a long time. <laughs> but, you know, one, they still produce 
some pretty good content, but it still is a business driver for a lot of our clients. And so, you know, I think as much sometimes they say is the more things change, the more they stay the same or something like that. But clearly the shift to digital and, and data, right? I mean, I would call it, and I like to talk about as the evolution of data, Our, the data we use to make more informed decisions has just evolved over time. It's gotten better. We used to use Nielsen for everything because that was the best data that we had. That has been one of the fundamental changes in content. That's the, the amount of content that we consume as consumers and have the ability to leverage on behalf of our clients Right. To, to, we like to talk about being champions for the consumers. So how do we bring consumers to brands? Wipe that snarky look off your face. Um, <laughs> that has been eye-opening to me, I would say, versus what we really were dealing with. You know, I've been doing this 20 years, 20 years ago. When you think about role, the role of the media agency in the CMO's sort of partner list, yeah. how's that changed? We're probably still not where we need to be, mm. right? I mean, I still a little bit, I, and, and you know, agencies like Cara have been alone for a long time, have been around for a long time. We're probably still not completely at the seat of that proverbial table as where we should be. Mm. I think we're making inroads. I do think that CMOs more and more, at least the good ones, yeah, recognize that media more than anything is the thing that's going to drive change in their business and actually results for the business. I do believe that. Before, like when I think about you, spent a lot of time at Ogilvy, mm-hmm. right? It was always about the creative, right? Yep. What is the big organizing idea? And I think now, when we were talking about this in London a week or two ago, um, what isn't media at the moment, right? Your phone, you're walking around yeah. with basically a big giant piece of media yeah. in your pocket, well, a small one with a lot of power. So I do think the contribution that media makes and and delivers for their business is more important. I think one of the the struggles we're having is the access to some of those CMOs to make them understand that in a way. And it's true importance, right? To get them to really understand some of the decisions that they're making because some of them aren't always making the best decisions. Large kind of networks, a la Amazon, a yep. la Walmart, Target, are building you know, advertising businesses in businesses that really weren't built around that kind of thing to start. What do you make of that development? And do you think that that is extendable into other areas or other sort of non-adjacent categories? The thing is they they sit on a mountain of consumer understanding. Let's just call it that. So why wouldn't they naturally do that? You know, you mentioned Amazon first. There's a lot of issues with Amazon because what they will and will not allow you to do at some point, I'd like to think that will change. Probably won't, but I'd like to think it would. So to me, it's if I was trying to diversify my business, if I was Walmart or Target, whoever that was, and I sat on the, that kind of treasure trove, and I could give that to advertisers as a as a way to help them drive their business, why wouldn't I do that? It's a revenue stream probably, God, 15, 10 years ago, they didn't even think they had. Yeah, it's like found money. Uh-huh. Yeah. And by the way, some of those companies don't need to find money. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. So what do you make of the sort of almost bipartisan call for change in some of these platform companies that we've heard over the past couple of weeks? Well, I do believe that Amazon is on the verge of becoming a monopoly. And if they buy a seismic, that's even more dangerous. To quote Louisa Wong. Who on, was a guest of the pod I, two weeks I, ago. I, I listened to her right. podcast. I think she's right to call for them to be audited. Right? Mm-hmm. We get audited. Why shouldn't they? And some of their practices, I don't profess that it's easy. Right? Like I sometimes will defend a Google. It's, brand safety is a hard thing Very. in this day and age. I'm just not sure they're focused on it the way they they need to be. But Google's one thing. 
But how are you going to break up Facebook? You're going to tell them that Instagram or WhatsApp has to go away? Like, well, how do you how do you do that versus Amazon, who's going into sector after sector after sector, and because of the way they're doing it, you could see there might be an antitrust coming. But by the way, if you could break up the Bell system, you could break, you up, could break up anything. I, I was going to use that as a person who used yeah. to work at AT and T. I'm not sure a lot of the people that are going to listen to this podcast actually know even what the understand Bell system what that means. Yeah, 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 it's true. You're right. I mean, that's uh, so the question: How can you break up governments when they make a decision yeah. to do something? They will do it, no yeah. matter how clumsy or awkward it is. But the question is: Is it good or bad for the consumer? That should be their filter. And I, and I don't have a. I'm not sure that I have a an answer just yet as to whether they are good or bad. If you go back to the AT and T breakup. A lot of people at the time argued for a long time this was not good. Right? Yeah. That it somehow just unleashed additional monopolies. But in the long term, it was good. It was good. Mm-hmm. The thing about Amazon, taking the conversation outside of what we do for a living, do they get so big that they're doing damage to the economy because they're putting other companies in other industries out of business because of the convenience that they are? From a, from a consumer perspective, that's the thing that um, I often wonder about. Like, I remember the overwhelming impact that Walmart had when I was running Unilever on that business. Yeah. And, it, and it was, to some extent, they almost could do whatever they wanted. And that's fair. I know you talk to a lot of you know, younger professionals yep. in the business and mentor younger professionals. What do, you, what do you say to them? Typically, the first thing is I tell them to make sure you have a job that you like. If you don't like it, you yeah, don't want to spend. Hard. Yeah, it's really hard. Like I've said this before, I've loved being the CEO of Carry US. Like genuinely, you know, first six months, you know, you get your feet under. You're like, holy shit! But after that, <laughs> I, I've act, I genuinely have loved it, and then it's not an easy job. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, remember that you yourself are a consumer of goods, mm. right? And I think if you can do that, and it's hard, but if you can do that, it will influence some of your decision-making, typically for the better. And also remember that your clients are people too. They are your client, but they're behind that client as a person. If you treat them like that, usually you will be rewarded in the end. And then I was given this piece of advice by an old client of mine who said, Michael, interview for the job they're offering you, not the one you might get mm. because you have to do that job going back to the first point. So true. The point about remember that you are a customer, yeah. it, it sounds so simplistic. And yet, as I look back on my own career, there is no doubt that that has made me a better marketer. Yeah. And the times that I am most in tune with the market are when I'm actually thinking about my own experiences yeah. and sort of feeling like, is this an insight? Is this, you know, mm-hmm. am I unique or am I part of, you mm-hmm. know, a group that sort of feels a particular way? Yeah. So I think that's that's really good. When you are having some of those conversations with clients, and I genuinely believe if you're, if you're leading your clients, right, even if those are difficult conversations, they appreciate the fact that you're leading them, you're saying, like, just put yourself in, in the people that you're marketing to shoes. Yeah. You would never make that decision, let's just say. That's it's right. important. Well, and it, and it gives you the fodder to go back to clients and say, hey, we were kind of kicking this around. Does yeah. anybody? Because again, I, I've been a client, you know, yeah. four or five different places. So, like, it's amazing how many times you get up to the launch and y'all look at each other and go, "Wait, has anybody thought about?" <laughs> yeah, no, no. So, you know, as as a good agency partner, that's a, that's a good thing to do. So, new role. What excites you the most about the new role? I'm not excited just yet. <laughs> if I, I mean, it's it's been two weeks. I, it's all it's all still fresh. And frankly, sure. there's been so much going on. Like, I haven't really. 
I haven't completely absorbed it. When when we were in London yeah. for the announcement, I must admit I was excited to be talking to the team. And yeah. I, I there's a lot of potential. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I think there's a lot of good heritage at Cara. Mm-hmm. We were the first truly independent media agency, so that excites me. Regardless of what's going on with Brexit or in the U.S., I actually think we are a global society. So the fact that I'm going to be looking after a brand globally is a good thing, if you ask me. I'm a naturally inquisitive person. That's another thing I always Mm. give advice going back to that. You should always be curious and not take no for an answer. So I'm just curious, what is it like to, to work in Australia or China? I get to work with a bunch of multinational brands, so it'll it'll be interesting to see what that looks like from the global CEO role rather than just the U.S. one. So I'm excited about that. What are your three or four focus areas off the bat? Do you have sort of a little bit yeah. of an agenda? I know it's very new. but yeah. I, I would say there are four things, right? I believe in client centricity. I think that if you focus on the clients, good things will happen. I mentioned that a little while ago. There's really three things. One, people. I say it all the time. Um, I think our people are our greatest asset. You can have a great product. You can have wonderful platforms. If you have shit people, you won't retain your clients, right? If you have an okay product and okay platforms, but really good people, you will tend to keep your relationship. So I think there'll be a, a renewed focus on our people and the culture of the agency. I know we need to work on that. Yeah. The second is around our product. Cara, in my mind, has always been a product agency. It's what we're known for. So how do we evolve CCS to bring it, quote unquote, into the 21st century, or maybe more pointedly, make it a bit more people-based in a way that allows us in every market is a bit nuanced, but things like that, our content offering. We have to create personalized experiences. Those are the things that I'm bullish on resonate. So how do we do that? So the product, and then the third is platforms. So we have this, you know, at the Dan Global Conference, they were talking about making it real. The other two things are great. You also need to be able to make it real. I learned that lesson rather painfully working on the Microsoft business. So both in the MarTech and the ad tech space, how do we think about that from a global perspective to make it easier for our people to do their work, but also to get closer to consumers on behalf of our brands? So let me just ask you a follow-up there, because that's such an amazingly important Space and yet mm-hmm. so wildly cluttered, yeah. right? So there's whatever there are in the new Lumiscape six thousand, whatever it's bananas. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've literally atomized every step of the value chain in the uh, sort of marketing workflow. Yeah, not just the media workflow, but the broader marketing workflow. H- how do we help clients make sense of that? You build out a data and tech consultancy, which is something that we're working on. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is that is the that is the real answer. The like you have yeah. to, and look, these are the things that I will be learning sure. on my journey in the role. But I do believe when I, if I just use my U.S. experience, like those are the conversations we are yeah. having with a lot of our clients. And frankly, if if we're not careful and we don't position ourselves that way, they're going to go to other people to get answers to those questions, sure. and that will be bad for us. So you know, you just need people that can have those conversations. We also need to advise them. Although I do think clients are much smarter, even more so now than they were three years ago, let alone five years ago in that space. I agree with that. Everyone who came in they wanted to meet with and do a deal with, they've gotten smarter. They realize there are certain platforms that can give them the scale depending on the footprint of that client. Geographically speaking, are there any focus areas initially for you? You To me, I was given this advice, not that you shouldn't pay attention to all the markets, but 
you know, typically 10 to 15 markets would make up 80 or 85% of the revenue. So spending some time in Australia and China, China obviously is very important. And I think there's some work to be done there, actually in both of those markets. Germany, which is on the rebound a little bit, uh, France, some of the markets in um, Europe, as well as the UK. For sure. um, Spending some time. Well, I will be spending once a, a month, a week a month at a minimum in the UK. So spending, yes. getting closer to that business probably makes a lot of sense. And still being based in the US and staying connected to that, I think will also be important. Let's go to our third act quickly. Mm-hmm. As you look at the business, not just Kara's business, but the business writ large yeah. and the future, where are we as an industry in this greater transformation we've been on for a decade? Do you have a sense I don't globally. It's not fair for me to say globally. In the U.S., maybe on the day, 50%. We took these wild swings and we we were going to push all of this money into digital. And then we realized that ecosystem needs a lot of cleaning up. And and as I said earlier, you know, here television still drives a a lot of volume for a lot of clients. So I would say we are at best 50%. And anybody... I'd like to talk to the person who thinks it's more than that. The, that ecosystem is a mess. We still can't buy television on an audience basis. That's going to get even more difficult you know, with GDPR and things like that. And truly def- determining what the contribution, like the hard contribution of what a client is spending in media is still a little bit of the Wild West, so sorting that out. I don't think we're where we need to be, and we're, we are putting a lot of emphasis on that and will put a lot of emphasis on that. There's still a reckoning coming, though, for television, isn't there? I don't in know. In terms of price to value. You know, it's a it's a fascinating thing. Yep. As much as we are, and I, I think it goes back to the question you just asked me. We are telling clients, please pull your money out. Yep. The value can be found elsewhere, and they are just not completely yep. comfortable doing it. They've been burned. You know, if I look at, you know, a couple of our clients who really – Walked went away. For it. And yep. by the way, walking away, some of the scaled clients went from you know five hundred million to four three hundred fifty right. million. Still a lot of money within reason. Yeah, yeah. I think the reckoning has come. There needs to be a bit more reckoning, actually, in the industry. I wouldn't make it about TV. Like, how are you going to fix the frequency, or, or how are you going to create the stickiness that I like to call it with a consumer online? Because by and large, have you seen the ad experience on Facebook? It's not all that wonderful, mm-hmm. right? As you look at global markets. Is there one market in particular, just from a, a media standpoint, that is most intriguing for you? To, like you're most excited to kind of learn about? Well, China, because yeah. it's like it is. It's the most ma- different. And I've heard a lot of really interesting <laughs> stories. Well, China is uh, interesting on a lot of levels. Yeah, from yeah. some old colleagues when I was yep. at my previous agency about building sort of their own TV networks because, you know, the politics there, I guess, is the most polite way to put it. <laughs> the UK, I've always been somewhat interested in the UK market. It's a pretty scaled market, all things considered, compared to the US. When I'm over there, I'm fascinated by television. Like, I, I love watching the BBC and Sky and yep. then some of the programming, so some of that stuff. I mean, all of it, really. You know, Australia, I think. I, I, I want to spend a little bit more time in Japan, obviously. Yeah. It's a very interesting model very that Dentsu has yep. been able to establish there. I oftentimes feel like we are very divided as an industry at the moment. Yeah. We are hyper-competitive, which is necessary as yeah. part of our business, but that we might be served in doing something together. Are, are there things you think that we should be doing together? You know, the ANA almost seems to have gone off on their own. Yes. And the 4As has gone in a separate dis- direction. I think that's and, true. 
I know that there's lots of reasons for that. And anybody who wants to ask me my opinion when we have more time, I'm, I'm happy to give it. I think bring, bringing those two bodies and bodies like that are in major markets is probably the thing that we need to do the, the most. Like the clients that I happen to work very closely with at the moment tend to be, we tend to be pretty aligned on some of the issues we're trying to tackle in the industry around true reach or frequency capping or brand safety, right? Those types of things. And we're working pretty collaboratively together or the old days of programmatic, we've moved past that. We've moved past that together. Those are the things I think clients and agency groups, I wouldn't even necessarily make it about Cara, need to get together and and talk about Nick tried to do it at the Forays Media Conference. He got some yep. of the different media leads, leaders from across the holding companies together. I think we need to do more of that. We need to have an evolved conversation about the pitch process and and some of the outcomes of that because it's generally speaking neither good for the agency nor the client. Nor the client. A race to the bottom just gets you to the bottom. I think you're exactly right. And again, I think when a lot of people hear that, they think, oh, it's just agencies complaining. It's really not. Yeah. I mean. At the end of the day, our business is about value to mm-hmm. clients and and improving their ability to transform their marketing function. Mm-hmm. And not much about the current pitch process is oriented in that, often is oriented Rarely. in that direction. It's rare. It does happen, and I'm not at all complaining about it. In fact, I don't one of the topics that is um discussed a lot these days are the consultants yep. and consultancies moving into our space. I don't worry about them. I very much view Cara as a consultancy. My, yep. I think you and I have spoken about yep. this. If a client's not doing it themselves, by and large, you are a consultant to them, right? That's so right. to me, I view Cara as a consultancy. Sure. Am I going in and doing business transformation things with them or are we, I shouldn't say me? Yep. No, not necessarily. We are in our space. Those things don't phase me or worry me. Again, almost every client I've ever worked on that was overly sensitive and focused on price is not a client that's doing well. Yeah, I think that's right. Last question in this section. You recently celebrated your sixth year. I at did. Cara. Yeah. Congratulations Thank on that you. too. It's just a lot of congratulations. Yeah. Um, well, you did say it was a big month. I did. It was a big month. Media executive of the year, new yeah. job, six years. What does Cara mean to you? For me, it's a family. If I spend a lot of time working, unfortunately, or fortunately. And so to me, it's a, it is a family. I'm as close with some of the people I work with. We have moved past being colleagues and you know, being friends. I'd say the same thing about you. I'd put you in that group, I should say. So if th- that's what it is for me. And I think I, I have a genuine concern for the well-being, whether I know them by name or not, for the staff that I have the responsibility to oversee. Much like I think about what I, when I think about my own family. So to me, that's what it means. And then, you know, the second thing I would say is I just happen to think media is a really cool thing to do, even with all of its warts. We get exposed to things that other people don't get exposed to yeah. for years. Yeah, so. I think that's right. All right, we're at the lightning round. New okay. lightning round. All right, totally reinvented. I don't remember the old one for what it's worth. So, <laughs> well, that that uh, that hurts my heart a little, but that's yeah. okay. <laughs> Who's your biggest role model? My grandfather. Why? Because he came from nothing. Started a bakery and did very successful. It taught me a lot of valuable lessons about right and wrong. Was he born in the U.S.? Yes. Okay. Uh, but he was an orphan, so he did not have it easy. Went around the South trying up to be a professional baseball player. But taught me the value of money. He taught me how to be humble. So he, he was, for sure. A perfect day not spent in the office or the airport or an airplane yeah. is spent where? Well, it would typically start off on a golf course. Mm. And then it would lead to the beach because I'm a big fan of the beach. 
perhaps a little bit of surfing. And if I'm allowed to, usually it would end with a nice glass of Tangeray on the rocks. Album that defined your teenage years? Uh, Steely Dan Asia. Really? Yeah, big Steely Dan fan. My early 20 years was The Grateful Dead. And okay. I will leave it at that. Movie that when it is on, you flip it through the channels, you cannot turn off. There's a few. Almost any Harry Potter movie. Yeah. Yeah. The Longest Day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. big fan of Longest Day. Shaw, where are you on the Shawshank continuum? Oh, it depends. Like, I have to be into it. I always like the end. Hope is a good thing, Red. Yeah. Maybe the best thing. Favorite city in the world? New York City. All right. Favorite city not in, New- <laughs> not in the U.S.? I am lucky because I love London. I think London is a really cool city. Yeah, it's a great city. Thank you so much for joining You're us. You're welcome. You survived again. This is two trips. <laughs> That's right. There we go. We'll have to make it a trifecta soon. Oh, uh, for sure. Give me six months and then I'll answer some we'll of do those the, global we'll do questions. The, we'll do the State of the yeah. Union. Cool. Hey, congratulations again. Awesome. I appreciate that, Robert. Thanks so much for joining us here on The Human Element. We will be back out to you really soon. In the meantime, you can find us anywhere you find your pods. And if you get so motivated, subscribe or give us a like. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.